Welcome to What is Sacred, a podcast exploring the shadows and light of our life experiences and how we find meaning in them. My name is Kayla Shaw. And I'm Brooke Alexander. And we are your hosts. Thank you so much for listening. We are honored to have you here. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to episode three of What is Sacred? Today, we are going to be talking about coping with anxiety, how it shows up in our lives, and how we move through it. Anxiety is something that Kayla and I have spent a good chunk of years very, very affected by, as many of us are. Right now in the United States, anxiety is the most common mental illness. There's about 40 million people diagnosed and so many more that have gone undiagnosed. So it's something that most people experience on a day-to-day basis. And it's also something that goes so unspoken for many people. So we really wanted to dedicate an episode to diving into it, sharing our personal experiences with it, tools that have helped us, and hopefully just open up a conversation where anxiety and general mental health can be more normalized. Yeah, we feel really strongly that mental health is something that should be talked about and should be more commonly addressed than it is because we're all dealing with it in our own ways on a day-to-day basis. And many people who are dealing with anxiety don't even know that's what's going on in their life. They aren't even aware that that's what those feelings are that are coming up for them. All they know is that sometimes they're just overcome with this feeling of stress and worry and overthinking. And I know that for me, a huge turning point in my journey was just being taught how to identify the things that trigger my anxiety and how to help deal with the symptoms that come up when I feel that way. And it's definitely changed my whole life. Yeah, I relate to that a lot. I think I spent so long being lost in my thoughts and my mental anxiety that I wasn't able to step back and name it for what it is. And I recently did a yoga for stress and anxiety teacher training, and we talked a lot about thoughts. I think for many people, anxiety, it becomes a very physical feeling, but often it starts in this monkey mind racing thoughts. And one thing we talked about was how 98% of our thoughts are the same as they were yesterday. And 80% of our thoughts are negative on a day-to-day basis. So if you think about that, most of the stuff that we're spinning our mental wheels on is filling space and causing anxiety and not actually something that we need to be putting our energy towards but it's hard to recognize that that's happening and step back and ask what is real right now? What is manifestations of anxiety versus what is actually something that I can control and that is worth focusing my energy on? Um, For me, 
I remember at first feeling anxiety in my body in the social realm and social anything really used to feel so scary for me. And when I was in social situations, I would just have so much anxiety about everything I was saying about what could possibly happen, about what people were thinking about me, about being funny or smart enough. And the hard thing with social anxiety is that even when you leave the social situation, the social anxiety is still there. It was for me and my body worrying about oh, what, what should I have said? What's what's going to happen next? And I say that just to share that anxiety stays with you. And unless we pause and notice it, it will just keep going and going and taking hold of our life and our well-being. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot. Um, I feel like I think probably the first time I really experienced anxiety was in fifth grade. My mom was diagnosed with lung cancer and just the amount of unknown and that sense of security being shooken up so deeply, I started to have a lot of stress and worrying. And um, as I moved into middle school after my mom passed away, just seeing a lot of that stress and worry present in every interaction I had with every person, just feeling like, hey, are they liking me? Am I saying the right things? And then just oftentimes, you know, kids aren't that nice when you're young and going through a hard time and just having a lot of those fears confirmed. People have been like, you're annoying. You're weird. Get out of here. And me being like, just internalizing those harsh thoughts and feelings and replaying them through every friendship I made, every relationship I formed. It was rough. And I was definitely like an anxious little bean. But um, when I moved into my teenage years, I um, definitely saw those insecurities, those harsh thoughts start replaying in my mind, which eventually led to like an eating disorder. It was just really hard for me to escape that monkey mind. And the monkey mind was just feeding me the harshest thoughts, the meanest words over and over and over again. And I noticed that whenever I would start to feel overwhelmed or feel things that made me uncomfortable, my monkey mind would turn on and just start feeding me the thought loop. And it was this really gnarly cycle. It was hard to turn it off. And I didn't know how to help myself out of it. I relate to that a lot. I I think anxiety can often be the seed to lead to a lot of other struggles and mental illnesses. And for me too, when I was feeling this intense social anxiety throughout high school and then especially in college, my means of coping was binge eating. And when I went to try and get help for my anxiety and this eating disorder that was developing so quickly as a way to cope with it, I did not receive the help I needed. I was not asked, what is coming up for you? What is happening? What's the root of this anxiety? Instead, it was about numbing the symptoms. So I was prescribed Adderall to stop the binge eating, which increased my anxiety. But there was just no invitation for me to sit and ask 
what is actually causing this anxiety right now? There was no space for that, which made it really, really difficult to to move through and to process. And I think that for so many people, we spend the majority of our lives in this fight flight freeze mode and that is where stress and anxiety live our sympathetic nervous system is where all of the anxiety is constantly bubbling up and we're in this mode of needing to defend ourselves or explain ourselves and it can be really hard to give ourselves permission to relax and to try and figure out what is the seed of my anxiety and how can I be with it? And how can I give myself permission to feel what is coming up right now and trust that this is temporary. This will pass just like everything else. Anxiety is energy in motion and it can feel very uncomfortable, but there is a lot of wisdom in the discomforts that we experience from it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I really do feel that there are a lot of ways to cope with these feelings that come up. And some of the, I think the first things we reach for when we're learning how to deal with our life are things that are usually not very healthy, you know, like, um, alcohol and drugs are often like something that people reach for to deal with their anxiety and their feelings of overwhelm. And I know for me in my early twenties, that was something I leaned into and it would create such a like cyclical anxiety for me because I would drink and I would totally leave my my monkey mind behind and just be like, oh, I'm having so much fun. This is the best (laughs) time ever. And then I would wake up the next day with such like existential dread, just being like, what did I say? What did I do? I feel terrible. And then, you know, oftentimes it would lead to wanting to grab a drink all over again and pretend that things are chill. And I think that you're right that A lot of times these feelings are coming up because there's a root that can be dealt with, something that needs to be felt, something that needs to be addressed, but our body's trying to protect itself in this weird way and avoid it and avoid the uncomfortable feelings that would come up if we really looked at it. But like for for me personally, I feel like a huge practice that has helped has been like getting down to the root of what I'm really worried about and feeling how I really feel in connection to that worry. And then once I've addressed it and once I've held space for it, a lot of times it doesn't feel so heavy or overwhelming or all-encompassing. Yeah, I relate to the alcohol so, so much. I think so many of us do. It's pretty wild to think back. There was definitely a time where I didn't feel like I could do anything out in the world without alcohol. And something Kayla and I are reflecting on recently is, wow, yeah, it is possible to get to a place where, of course, we all still experience anxiety here and there, but it is possible to get to a place of working through it and finding a more grounded center within yourself. Because I know for me, I couldn't have imagined living with very little anxiety. It just wasn't a reality about five years ago. And 
to be here now and be able to share from a place of like, yeah, our brains change and our patterns change too. And like Kayla said, our natural instinct can sometimes be to avoid things when discomforts come up and to numb them with other things or distract ourselves. But I promise you it is so worth it to figure out, to sit with what is the root for me. And it's different for each of us. Anxiety manifests so differently for each and every individual. And we all have a responsibility to stop the cycle for ourselves and for the system. Anxiety is so just built into how we live, how most people live in the society on a day-to-day basis. And this pain and anxiety, if it is not transmuted, it will be transferred. And that just continues this cycle of living in anxiety and fear and doubt. So even though it's uncomfortable, It's one of the most worthwhile things we can do with our energy and time to sit with it, to feel it, and to process it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like it will be different for all of us how we do that work. And for some of us, we might need extra support, and that's okay. There are people and resources out there to help us, but there are a lot of things that we can do to help alleviate just the symptoms as they come on and maybe help us to feel more grounded and centered in our day-to-day life. Like some tools that have worked for me and maybe they could work for you too. One for me is to question my thought patterns. And, you know, when I start feeling like I'm on this roll of really worried, stressful thoughts, you know, just coming in and challenging my fears and trying to look for opportunities where I can gain some sense of my power and my ability. Because when we allow like negative thoughts to take root in our mind, they very much have the ability to distort the severity, the severity of our situation. So it's like if we fixate on a negative thought, suddenly it can become all we're seeing in a moment. But if we're able to kind of ask some questions to get a better picture of the whole thing, we can see that oh, there are things I can do to help myself in this moment. There are things I can do to lessen this stress that's coming on, whether it's from like a due date or a relationship issue. You know, there's other things in the picture that are not stressful that can provide us some relief if we're able to shift our perspective. Yeah. For me, pausing has been a really important practice as well that I still use every day because my mind still wants to create its own realities and that can make simple things feel very daunting and very intimidating. So I love that practice of constantly questioning our thoughts and 
inviting in and believing in a new way of showing up and a new way of experiencing the world because it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I like to think about it as how what resources do we use and how when we're experiencing anxiety how can we regulate ourselves back to a more grounded calm space and a few things that work really well for me one is grounding so literally when I'm feeling a wave of anxiety come on or I'm feeling way too in my head feeling the support of the earth beneath me, maybe even placing my hands on the earth and just reminding myself that there is so much more guidance going on and more things happening than I can possibly even begin to imagine. So just kind of positioning myself within broader reality and reminding myself that like, okay, I'm here, I'm okay, my body's here, feeling that sense of grounding. I also really, one thing that used to help me a lot that I still use sometimes is just getting a general orientation. Like if my mind is taking over to the point where I feel so disembodied that I'm not connected to where I am, taking a moment and looking around, maybe taking note of who's around me, taking note of where I am and just really trying to orientate myself back into my body. Um, Another one that goes along with that is feeling into where is my center and that looks different for each person. Often it helps me a lot to focus my breath on my heart and feel the sensations of my heart expanding, my chest lifting and just bring myself back to my body and I know that Kayla and I have both shared we've struggled with eating disorders. So sometimes the body can feel like not a safe space. And maybe for people who have really bad panic attacks, maybe the breath is actually a trigger because it's been so inaccessible in times. So we present these as invitations, as things that have worked for us with the knowledge that each person has a different process of coping with the anxiety, of feeling the anxiety. So know that things that work for one person may not work for you and vice versa. And it really is a matter of trying out different coping mechanisms and giving ourselves permission to pause. It really does all start with pausing when we start to feel overcome with those feelings. And for me, the breath is something that I I feel like a lot of times I forget to breathe just in my life, in the day-to-day. When I'm working out, I'll realize, oh, yeah, I haven't inhaled in a while. And it's <laughs> such an essential thing for our well-being. But like when I'm trying to get into a guided meditation or a more relaxed state, one thing that I do is I track my breath, the physical sensation of it, and I focus all of my energy on taking a full inhale and allowing the exhale to release. And I continue to like put all of my energy into like looking at my breath and observing my breath. And it helps me to tap into just a more, a more controlled state, a more empowered state. And also when we take those nice long 
big deep breaths, it does slow down our heart rate and it does tend to calm our system. Like Brooke mentioned, that's not going to work for everybody. Sometimes asking someone to put their focus on their breath can make them feel even more overwhelmed. But in general, it is it is a pretty helpful tool. And um, I know that box breathing is something that is recommended. And if you haven't heard of it, it's just holding your take an inhale for about four seconds. You hold it for four seconds and then you exhale for four seconds. And the amount of seconds can vary, but it's just really taking your time with your breath and um, I do recommend it as a practice just to try out and see how it feels. Yeah, exhales are key. <laughs> <laughs> they Exhales are very connected to the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our body's relaxation system. And like Kayla said, focusing on the count and also longer exhales literally communicate to our nervous systems that it's time to relax, it's time to calm down, it's time to release. So see what works for you. And another thing I just want to touch on in terms of tools and resources is I know for me, a lot of anxiety that I experience now does come from my relationships to other people whether that's a conversation I feel like I need to have, whether that's wondering about how someone's feeling with our connection. I do find that I'm living with a lot of less anxiety, but the anxiety I feel often is related to that. So I think like we had talked about on the last episode, really getting in touch with what you're needing to feel good in relationships and to have anxiety-free or anxiety-limited relationships can be super helpful in lessening the anxiety that you feel due to other people, due to social situations. And often for me, I can build up in my head a conversation that I need to have or something I need to say to feel good for myself. And then when I actually just say it and name it. It's such a smaller thing. And I literally feel my body release and relax and let go. So I invite you to sit with that question of what does an anxiety-free or anxiety-lessened relationship connection feel like for you? And how can you create more of those? For me, that's opening up open communication, naming things when they're starting to feel like there might be a little bit of tension, and knowing that whenever I hold on to things that I'm assuming my mind starts going, it starts going faster and faster. I feel the physical sensations of anxiety in my body, and usually all that's needed is for me to name it and ask for what I'm needing to release that anxiety. Yeah. I feel like becoming more aware of these triggers and these things that sort of get us going on an anxious pathway is super important. Like you might come to find if you took space to look at it, that 
there's a certain person in your life who you experience most of your anxiety with or a certain situation or when you drink coffee, which is hard for many of us to admit, but that is a common trigger for anxiety. And it's something that so many people use on a daily basis. So just becoming more aware of like the way that you're choosing to spend your days and how some of those choices might maybe add to anxious feelings or maybe lessen anxious feelings. Like after you go for a run, you feel super sort of just relaxed and like you've just expelled a bunch of energy and like, oh, I could lay down and I could just chill for a second. Like many of us struggle to feel that way. So just looking at our habits and if we're feeling like anxiety is coming up for us a lot, looking for the triggers and maybe trying to switch some of our choices around to lessen our feelings of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Noticing, noticing, noticing. And I also just want to call attention to the morning time. I know that I spent a lot of my life waking up and the first thing my mind would go to was anxiety, fear, doubts. And I think that we can transform and take advantage of the morning to do something that feels good for us, whatever that is. But maybe not having the first thing we do turn to social media or allowing our monkey mind to just go without us pausing at all and noticing it. So maybe that's taking a walk first thing. Maybe that's opening up your eyes and reading some pages out of a book you like. Maybe that's getting a little movement in. Just noticing what feels good for you and inviting that in in the morning time so that your day starts off in that way. And also knowing that if you do wake up and you are feeling a lot of anxiety, You don't have to identify with it. You don't have to stay with it and have it be your whole day. You can practice taking control of it, incorporating different tools, the ones Kayla and I have shared and many others, to decide how you want to show up for the rest of the day. So we just really wanted to have an episode dedicated to this because we feel like Mental illness and anxiety is something that should be talked about on the day-to-day because we are all going through it so, so much, and it is incredibly comforting and reassuring and transformational to name it, to know that we're not alone in it, to hear other people's stories of, oh, wow, there actually is a life without anxiety possible, or there is a life without depression, whatever it is. Hearing other people's stories and sharing your own is so incredibly healing. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I feel like, just to touch on something you said a minute ago, that if you do wake up and your first thoughts are overwhelming anxiety, like... One thing that I would recommend is write it down, get it out, mm-hmm. put it on a piece of paper, you know, and if you have someone that you trust that you can talk to, share your feelings. I know that at times when I've been overwhelmed with anxiety and I start to just feel really, really 
shitty. I will call my partner, see if he has time to hold space. And I just voice it out loud. Like this happened. And I started really worrying about it. And a lot of times just having someone that you care for reflect back to you that I totally understand how you could feel that way right now. And it's okay. And it's not the end of the world. Like things can work out. And now that you've shared those feelings, like, how do you feel? And a lot of times just from being able to talk about them out loud with somebody I trust, I notice that I feel much better. You don't always have that luxury. So sometimes writing it down is the best option, but having spaces where it's okay to acknowledge these things and it's okay to move through them is so key. And I am very aware that not everybody has like community and relationships that they feel it's safe to talk about this stuff. And that's very difficult, but there are resources out there for all of us. I recently started volunteering on this website called Seven Cups, and they offer online therapy at an affordable price, but also free services with volunteers who have gone through training where you can talk about any sort of emotional, stressful issue that comes up for you and receive support and someone who will listen and just talk you through it and be there. And there's so many resources out there for us. Not everybody can afford therapy. I get that. Um, but there are free services to help us through these things. And we just want to encourage you that if you're struggling to reach out and know that you're not alone, that it can change and that you can move through it to a place where anxiety does not control your life anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. There is no shame in reaching out. There is no shame in sharing your experience with mental health. It can and will be one of your greatest strengths to understand the scope of the human experience and be able to hold compassion for other people in theirs. So thank you so much for being here with us today. We are always here if you want to process anything that's coming up around mental health. We understand. We do. We love you so much. We'll see you next time. Stay sacred. Thank you for listening to this episode of What is Sacred? We so appreciate your time and energy. If you're interested in receiving more Sacred Sister offerings or would like to show us some support, please consider becoming a member on Patreon. The link is in the episode description. That's all for now. Tune in next week for another episode. We love you so much. Mm -hmm.